Hi, this is Harry Shearer, and you are listening to TV Confidential, a radio show about television. Ed Robertson, welcoming you back to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television. Now, this week is a radio talk show about Betty White. Betty White, the first lady of television and the legendary actress who is known to four different generations of TV viewers for the characters she played on Hot in Cleveland, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, and The Golden Girls, as well as her countless appearances on such classic TV game shows as Password and the CBS Match Game. Betty White passed away Friday, December 31st at the age of 99. Joining us now is our friend Jim Colucci. Jim Colucci, deputy editor for CBS's Watch Magazine and the author of several books on television, including Golden Girls Forever, an unauthorized look behind the Lene, a behind-the-scenes look at making the Golden Girls, the Golden Girls, one of the most enduring series in TV history, and a show that certainly laid the foundation for the enormous popularity that Betty White enjoyed over the last 30 years of her life. Jim, sad occasion, always happy to talk to you. In in many ways, the Golden Girls not only made the female buddy comedy series like Sex and the City possible, but it created two whole new generations of Betty White fans because it never really left television. Yes, I, I always say that and I think I'm going to amend this statement to add a few new shows like The Office and Friends because they're now streaming, and I know my 15-year-old nieces are finding them and, and loving them. Um, but I always say that up until that moment, there were only two shows on the list of shows that I would say managed to recruit new generations of fans who weren't even alive when the show was originally on, and that would be I Love Lucy and The Golden Girls that have found people. I wasn't around for Lucy, and there are plenty of young fans who weren't around 30 years ago when The Golden Girls were on, so uh, it's it's just amazing what a, what a great company what great company for the girls to be in with Lucy and to continue to discover new viewers today um, I know that when Sex in the City was at the height of its popularity twenty years ago the original Sex in the City it both shows were connecting with young women particularly young co- college women and because uh, Golden Girls has. You know, again, it's 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 not hard to find where Golden Girls is playing right now. That's oh my the- gosh, it's everywhere. It's on Hulu and it's Disney Plus and Hallmark and TV Land. I mean, every isn't it amazing that a show that it would be hard to get on the air today because it's about old ladies ostensibly is still so popular thirty years after going off the air that net platforms and streaming platforms in the hippest places are clamoring for it. Like what a, what a delicious uh, vindication that is for for older women who who would have a hard time getting on television in the first place. And yet another example of that, you probably know this, Jim, but uh, within a week of Betty White's passing, the Golden Girls spinoff, Golden Palace, became available, I think, through Hulu. Because we, yes. we can't get enough Betty. We can't. And that was something that was in the works while Betty was still with us. Hulu planned on airing it as a tribute for Betty's 100th birthday. But I'm so glad that they had it ready to go to pull the trigger because now that we're mourning her and we want more and more at every moment we can get with her, this is a series that really has not aired much at all. It aired once on CBS in its original run. I remember Lifetime, as kind of a stunt, aired it about 10, 15 years ago, once through. Now it's like discovering hidden Golden Girls. And uh, it may not be the same as the Golden Girls because B. Arthur is not in Golden Palace, but it's still more time with Betty. 
We're spending more time with Jim Colucci, Jim Colucci, television historian, deputy editor for CBS Watch Magazine, and the author of Golden Girls Forever, an unauthorized look behind the Lene, behind-the-scenes look at the making of the popular series starring B. Arthur, Rue McClanahan, Estelle Getty, and Betty White. Betty White passed away December 31st, age 99. By fluke of the calendar, Jim, you are on a Golden Girls cruise during New Year's Eve weekend, right as Betty passed. I I noticed on your social media platforms, there were huge banners on the boarding deck of the Golden Girls cruise. I imagine there were formal or at least informal celebrations throughout throughout the week? Oh, yes, both formal and informal. The Golden Sands at Sea Cruise left January 3rd, so three-ish days after Betty passed away. And we always knew we wanted to celebrate the girls, and we were planning on making birthday cards to send to Betty for her 100th birthday and having a cake in her honor to celebrate. Instead, we had cake to mourn and to eat when you're sad, but it was great that at least if we had to be sad, we were all together. The timing was really auspicious that... We had each other, all of us fellow fans, to uh, to celebrate Betty and celebrate 99 years and 300 and what is it, 348 days of uh, of greatness. Yes, for all for all intents and purposes, she was 100. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I say give it to her. Yeah, you share a wonderful memory of Betty on your Facebook page. Uh, you, you share several. There's one story in particular I would like you to share with our listeners. It's the O O O story. Well, what I always remarked about Betty, even as a viewer, before I started researching my book about the Golden Girls, was how all of them, I mean, all four of them, really, all four of the Golden Girls, could turn average writing into gold. And the show didn't often have average writing, because those writers were also at the top of their game. But the writers had a secret weapon in these girls, that first of all, if the girls, if the four women could not get a joke to work, that was proof positive that the joke just never would work because if they can't get it to work, no one can. And so that the writers had that much confidence in them. But also they had so much confidence in the actresses that they could write something that wasn't on paper a joke and know that the girls would make it one. And they had that kind of trust with each other. And my example is that there's a, a scene where Rose's line on paper just, just says the word O, O-H, three times. It's just O period, O period, O period. And if you looked at that script, if you were a network exec looking at that script and giving it approvals, you would say, that's a lame line. Why, she's just going to say O three times? But the writers knew Betty would say, oh, oh, oh. And they knew she'd give each one a spin and get a laugh with each word. And sure enough, she did. We're talking to Jim Colucci. Jim's books on television include Golden Girls Forever, an unauthorized book behind the Lene, everything you want to know about the Golden Girls and why it continues to endure, and I dare say will always endure as long as we have ways to watch television. Betty White passed away December 31st at age 99. You can also follow Jim on his blog, musthearTV.blogspot.com. Last time you were on... Our show, Jim, you, you mentioned how of the four Golden Girls, Rose was the toughest to play, and yet Betty managed to pull it off. Yes. Rose was the role that both Betty and Rue dreaded having to play. And if you know the, the famous story, where originally Rue was cast as Rose and Betty as Blanche because it was more along the lines of things they'd done before when Betty played Sue Ann Nivens on the Mary Tyler Moore show and Rue played Vivian on Maud. And so... 
that casting was kind of more along the lines of what they were known for, and it was the actresses and the director, Jay Sandwich, who cooked up a plan to switch it and mix things up. But the reason why both Betty and Rue were reticent about playing Rose is because Rose, unlike the other three ladies, the other three characters, Rose doesn't really deliberately deliver jokes. When Dorothy says something cutting, she knows she's being funny. When Blanche says something slutty or cutting, she knows she's being funny. Sophia certainly knows she's being funny. But when Rose says things, often the joke is about how naive she is in saying it. So she's not intending to deliver a joke. And that is a harder task for an actor, to make something funny without showing that you know that it's funny. And Rue always gave Rose so much credit for, she said, for such a brilliant woman as Betty was, that the moment they yelled action, Betty found a way to just drain all the intelligence and light out of her eyes and literally act as if Rose was taking every word literally that people said. And for Betty to be able to do that, to be remembering the lines in her actual brilliant mind and yet passing them through deliberately blankened eyes to say them as Rose, not sounding like she's intending to deliver a joke, but delivering a joke, boy, is that hard. There's a lot of layers to that. And I, I always thought that, and then Rue kind of confirmed it for me when we when we interviewed. And I've even spoken with some of the drag queen troops who play the Golden Girls all around the country. There are great groups in New York and L.A. and Seattle and San Francisco. And they have said the same thing, that, that a lot of the times there are men in drag who do a great job playing Dorothy, and there are men in drag who do a great job as Blanche and as Sophia, but the hardest role for them to cast is a drag queen to play Rose for the same reason. You basically took the words out of my mouth, Jim. You have to be smart to play dumb. Yes, I've always said that. That's the exact phrase I use, and I, that's why, I mean, never mind the fact that I always saw Betty White on game shows and how quick-witted and sharp and wickedly funny she is, or was, and was on those shows, but then you, that, that only confirmed what I already believed, which is you have to be smart to play dumb. And in her case, she was not only just rapid smart to begin with, but she had 70 years of acting chops, 70 years of performing chops, 70 years or however many years up to that point. 80 years. You know, I mean, she, Betty, literally was in front of one of the first cameras they ever turned on. Mm -hmm. In 1939, there was an experimental broadcast of television in Los Angeles, downtown L.A. in the Packard Building, and Betty had just graduated high school, and she and the senior class president, I think he was, were asked if they wanted to be on this broadcast. It was a musical called The Merry Widow, and back in those days for black and white TV, they didn't have makeup that worked, and so they spackled you with brown lipstick and brown makeup that would look crazy if you went out on the street, but looked good on camera, and Betty was on this broadcast that probably... Who, no one saw because who owned a television in 1939 that didn't exist and, and so in 1939 Betty was on TV now in 1949 that she started a regular five day uh, six day a week five and a half hour a day gig on a talk show where she had to just ad lib because there was no script so from 1949 on steadily she was on television this, this woman's career started when she was 17 with that broadcast and went till she was 99. That's an 82-year career. Jim Colucci's on the line with us. Jim's books on television include Golden Girls Forever, an unauthorized look behind the Lene. Uh, you can also follow Jim on his blog, musthearTV.blogspot.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Do you have a favorite Rose episode or favorite Rose moment 
on Golden Girls that you'd like to share with the listeners? You know, I am so fickle with the Golden Girls that no, if you ask me 10 minutes from now, I'll give you a different. <laughs> and, and I do the same thing when people say, who's your favorite Golden Girl? I, I literally change my mind every 10 minutes. I have to say, I'm going to pick two because one of the things that Betty was particularly proud of, um, and I know that she felt this way starting with the Mary Tyler Moore show and continued into the Golden Girls, was that people, because she had done so many game shows and talk shows, people saw her as a TV personality in the beginning, and she wanted to prove to them, no, I'm an actress, and that's what I set out to do. And so I love that with both shows, and particularly this episode I'm going to say about the Golden Girls, she really got to show some dramatic acting. And there's an episode where she's baking a birthday cake in, in her St. Olaf kitchen before she moves to Miami, and her husband Charlie has already passed away, and she does this monologue where she's explaining to dead Charlie about why she needs to move on with her life apologetically. And it rips your heart out. And Betty said to me that she actually, in doing that scene, was channeling, just talking to Alan Ludden, her beloved husband, whom she lost in 1981. So she took that personal heartbreak and ripped our hearts out with that episode. Now, I could pick a lot of comedic episodes, and I said that's a, as I, why I said 10 minutes from now I'll tell you something different. But there's an episode that is such a fan favorite where a bratty little neighbor girl has inadvertently at first gotten Rose's study, uh, stuffed teddy bear for Nando and has been given the teddy bear. And once she realizes how important it is to Rose because Dorothy and Blanche are trying to get it back, she starts to ransom the bear. And she cuts off his ear and sends it to the girls and she's demanding a check from Blanche in order to return the bear. And there's just a great moment where Betty, with her, with her grandmotherly exterior as Rose and that, that was part of her real, real personality, takes the girl around the shoulders and starts to just say, it's okay, I understand. And you think that she's going to give the kid the bear and give up. And Betty, this is where Betty's wicked wit shines through. In one very smooth move, she shoves the kid out the door, grabs the bear out of her hands right before she does, and says, sometimes life just isn't fair, kiddo. And it's a moment that people just love because it's Rose standing up for herself and Betty just showing that beneath that grandmotherly exterior, there was that wicked timing and wicked wit. And it also speaks to uh, something else you talk about in Golden Girls Forever. Jim, Betty White was the master of the unpredictable. Well, I think even she, even the timing of her death was unpredictable. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought when I heard she passed away. Well, yeah. not the first thing. I was very sad. Yeah. But one of the first things I thought when I heard she passed away was, you know what? She had... she. She surprised us with her timing yet again. Yeah. While we were all, it was like a, you know, like a magician. When we were distracted looking over here at Betty's 100th birthday, she sneaked out the door and made her stage exit uh, with timing that we'll always, we'll always remember. Who, who won't remember that Betty passed away on New Year's Eve right before the, the year where she was about to turn 100? It's, it's, it's timing that's unforgettable. Jim Colucci's books on television include Golden Girls Forever, an authorized book behind the Lene. Jim's latest book, All in the Family, the show that changed television, is a collaboration with another TV icon, TV institution, Norman Lear. And another 99-year-old, another 99-year-old icon. I seem to be specializing in 99-year-old icons lately, and you know what? I'll take it. Well, Fabulous people. Fabulous people. I'm looking forward to having a, a, a full-length conversation with you about uh, All in the Family, the show that changed forever. In the meantime, you can follow Jim Belucci. Uh, Jim Belucci. Jim Colucci. <laughs> you, you, you can follow Jim Colucci. MusthearTV.blogspot.com as well as Facebook and on Instagram. Jim, sad occasion. 
Always a pleasure to chat with you. I look forward to chat with you again very, very soon. Thanks so much, Ed. I look forward to it as well. Thank you for supporting Actors and Others for Animals. We started a long, long time ago. You can still take part in the Betty White Challenge by going to BettyWhiteChallenge.com as it's safe to say that Betty would have done anything possible to support this important cause. So when you find an organization like Actors and Others for Animals, it sort of unites all of those of us who want to pay back something for all the joy we get out of animals. You can learn more about the Betty White Challenge by going to BettyWhiteChallenge.com, BettyWhiteChallenge.com. Please keep up the good work. Believe me, it's deeply appreciated. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.